All right. Hey, what's up, y'all? It's Will here at ScheduleFly, and I've got my friend Chad Beal uh, joining us again. And we were just catching up a little bit. Um, I actually went to Bohemian Bull in, uh, down south of Charleston. Um, it seems like an eternity ago. It wasn't that long ago, but so much has <laughs> happened since then. Uh, but I've hung out with Chad. Had a few months. Yeah, yeah. Drank his beer. I've, I've eaten his burger. Uh, great dude. I've known Chad for a while through ScheduleFly and, and just always had a lot of respect for the way he does things. And he runs a really cool business down there. Has a lot of uh, support in his community. A lot of folks really appreciate the way he and his, he and his bride run things and do things. And uh, so always a thrill to catch up, my friend. I appreciate you taking the time to do this. Absolutely. Yeah, glad to, glad to hear from you and glad you're doing well. Yeah, for In sure. These crazy you too. times. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, well, you've got this. So, I mean, you've got a beer garden there, you, and you've got a really a cool setup. You've got a lot of open space. Uh, you've got a lot of outdoor space. You're you're in a you're certainly not in a pedestrian area. I mean, you're you're not in, you know, when people think of Charleston, they probably think of, you know, the old, you know, everything kind of packed together there in this small old area, but you're down south of Charleston. You're kind of out uh, on your own a little bit. So um, tell me what's happened, man, the last few months. Tell, tell me about, uh, you know, how long were you closed if you were and, and did, what did y'all have to change and where are you right now? Yeah. So we, we pivoted as quick as we could and um, immediately went into doing takeout. We were lucky enough to not have to completely close our doors at any point in time. Um, but, uh, we did get to a, uh, takeout only service. Uh, we kind of were built for it in a lot of ways, um, the takeout and then moving into dining, outdoor dining only, and then now back open at 50% capacity. We've been one of those rare businesses that has been very, very lucky, um, in this, uh, kind of crazy situation, uh, to be able to, to continue to have success even with the takeout only, you know, we didn't do obviously nearly the revenue that we would do if we were fully open, but we did more than what we thought we were going to do. We had a really great support from the community, which was awesome. Um, our concept has this like <clears throat> very open feel to it. So we have these windows that like open up to the outdoor space. So we were able to open up these windows and people felt very comfortable being able to come and get to go orders. We had online ordering already in place, which was huge. Um, anybody who who doesn't do that, I highly recommend it. Um, because when we when we had to pivot and go to to takeout only, that was a system that we already had running. So we um, promoted it obviously in a bigger way uh, with doing some online promotions, uh, or rather doing some social media promotions with it. And then we we had a big banner that was made that we put out in front of the restaurant that directed people how to get to online ordering. And uh, you know we did what I think a lot of people do, and that's you know, put tape down on the sidewalk and allow people to understand what a six foot distance is and put signage up everywhere and train our staff as best we could. And we were, unfortunately, the, the sad part was we, we had to lay a lot of people off in the very beginning, but we quickly realized within the first few days that it wasn't going to be manageable with a skeleton crew that we had left on. And we quickly started bringing people back. And I think about two weeks in, we were back at about 50%. Um, staffing. So we went from laying off 40 employees to bringing about 20 of them back pretty quickly. So that was um, a blessing in disguise. We we basically kind of went with this concept of, hey, listen, this is not a time for us to make money. This is a time for us to be together. 
kind of as a restaurant family. And if we're, if we, if we break even or we lose a little bit of money over these next couple of months, that is what it is. Let's just try to keep everybody employed and food on their tables as best we can. So, so that's what we did. And we did some stuff like we bought gift certificates for our staff from uh, one of the local grocery stores, Publix here in town. And they then turned around and started ordering big catering orders from us once a week to feed their staff. So it was, there was a lot of kind of mutual stuff going on in the community that was great. And it, it, it really filled me with a lot of joy to see everybody come together in such a crazy time. So, Oh man, shout out to Publix, man. I like Publix. That's a good, that's a good company. They do things right. Yeah. Yep, absolutely. Um, yeah, they were they were very helpful um, with us. You know, even if you know just spending a little bit of money with us, it went both ways. You know, like I said, we were able to spend several thousand dollars with them buying our employees, you know, gift cards. The people that stayed laid off, and then they turned around and spent it right back with us again. So it was a it was a win win for both of us. So it was great. Well, um, how, how much of your are you still with the same? 20 or some odd staff that you hired back or you continued to hire? No, we actually, so we, so that was pretty much, I summed up kind of the month of, of April for you. Um, <laughs> I think we closed on March 17th um, to go to takeout only. Um, and then uh, we were closed all the way through the month of April. And then I think it was um, like the first weekend in March, uh, the governor said, Hey, listen, we're going to, or I'm sorry, in May, um, we're going to allow you guys to, open up outdoor dining only and that would start on may 4th um and so we have immediately had a staff meeting and kind of asked everybody to, to come meet out in the beer garden so we could social distance with each other and we had 100 percent staff returns so we had not but maybe at that time i think we had about two people that lived at home with some elderly folks one of them, one of them being her mother and she um, just wasn't in a headspace quite yet to where she felt comfortable being at work and didn't know what to expect and everything. And so she ended up coming back about two weeks later, and she's been back since. And um, so we were very, very lucky. Um, we did receive the PPP loan, um, which was a huge help, and we passed that right along to our staff. So one of the things we did to encourage people to return to work is we guaranteed everybody $900 for the first two weeks of work. So. I think that was a huge part of, you know, the way I looked at it was it wasn't my money. It was my staff's money. So I wanted to make sure that they received it as best as they could. And so that I think was a big part of it was getting people back to work and getting food back on their tables and making sure that they were paying rent and roof was over their head and all that stuff. And that was, that was really important to me. And that's what we did for the first two weeks. So we guaranteed that as a minimum payment for the tipped employees. And then all of my, the rest of my staff made that as essentially like a salary for the first couple of weeks. Mm, that's really cool, man. Um, the staff, I've been curious about restaurant employees. Generally speaking, you know, they're as an average, they're, they're a younger collective group of, of folks. I mean, they're, you know, um, they're not, they're not elderly people on average. That's not always the case, but most of them are younger and, and the younger folks, um, you know, from a risk profile seem to handle this virus pretty well. Um, what has been the psychology of your staff and what you've seen Chad in terms of like the, 
what do you call it? Maybe the fear factor, the fear level. Have they been, I mean, I clearly you had folks that lived at home with, and thank, thank goodness they're responsible and they're putting, you know, their elderly family members first, which they should, we should put everybody that's, you know, high risk, uh, ahead of ourselves, of course now, but then you've got a lot of folks that maybe they, maybe they're 22 years old and they have a 22 year old, you know, roommate or whatever, or they live by them, but whatever the case, how do those folks feel about all this? I think that's a, a really great question. And I think that, um, that comes from the top down. I mean, any, anytime you have, a, a something when we're talking about the feel of a place to me, mm. that's culture, right? You build yes. that around culture. So for us, when we brought people in, we we wanted to know that, you know, that was the questions we were asking. So that those couple days before we opened, we were given three days notice to, to get the restaurant open for dine out, dine, for outdoor dining. So it which, was, which is not a lot of time at all for a restaurant. Most, a politicians yeah, so don't we were, understand especially that. Especially considering we hadn't really placed, we'd had very minimal food orders being yeah. placed. We were doing minimal prep. We were, you know, um, we were doing about, uh, about 20% revenue compared to what we had been doing. So, or, um, what we would, would be doing that time of year. So we brought everybody in and we, we basically kind of asked that question, like, how do you guys feel? You know, are you comfortable with this? Are you comfortable with that? Like, what do you want to do as far as PPE? Like how comfortable are you are, you know? And then the, what we quickly realized was, um, you know, you're very kind of almost naturally your kitchen is very, um, used to, glove use <laughs> you know they just they know they just got to constantly change them out every single time they touch a certain product they got to change that glove out and that's just it becomes like a normal thing and there's access mm. to gloves very easily because you're kind of staying in a maybe five foot square box you know um, when you're in a kitchen working in a station um and we that was probably one of our biggest challenges with the ppe was the glove wearing with the front of the house staff um, we really uh, struggled with that in the beginning, and we we eventually went to the point where it was like, "Hey, listen, you're not. This isn't. It's not feasible um, to do it properly. You're going to be safer washing your hands on a constant basis and sanitizing your hands on a constant basis." And so that's we we went to that pretty quickly within the first couple of weeks. But I'd say overall, the the staff's um, you know morale and everything like that was, was has remained high throughout this whole time we've had a couple little scares where people were hey i was around somebody or i think i might have been around somebody or i've got a little tickle in my throat or something and we've had tested and we've had negative tests come back um as a result um, which is great to hear but during that testing time you're losing staff you know so we had one point in time where we had a handful of people that were out all getting tested and as soon as they tell us hey i i, w- I want to go get tested i'm concerned we we, they're not allowed to come back until they get a negative test. Um, and if it's positive, then obviously they're out for longer, but, um, we were lucky that they were negative and, and said so that, but we did have some periods of time when everybody kind of stepped up to the plate, had to work a little bit more. Um, so yeah, it was, uh, for overall, I'd say the, the staff morale has been, has been really good. Um, I think it helps when you're busy. Um, we've had, we've been very lucky to have such a big outdoor space. So we've, we've remained busy throughout this whole time. Um, and so people are making money and having fun and we've, we've built that community amongst our, um, amongst our people from day one, you know, that's been such a huge focus, um, for us has been the sense of like family and community and, um, you know, kind of taking care of each other and stuff. And that's, that's just a culture that we have here. And so I think that helps obviously with all that. (sighs) Yeah. Are 
how are customers feeling? And, and I asked that question, well, let me take a step back. It, it seems like, it's interesting you said that, that it comes from the top. I completely agree with that, by the way. Um, different parts of the country seem to be responding to this differently. Um, without looking at the numbers, it just generally seems like, I mean, even the difference between maybe here in North Carolina and South Carolina and maybe Georgia and Florida, it's it the general idea I get, and this is from watching very little news and paying very little attention to this stuff because I'm just burned out on it as most of us are, but it seems like a lot of folks in uh, some of these states in the South and maybe, I don't know, maybe some in the Midwest too, I, I don't really know, but that, you know, are generally not interested in wearing masks as much or being told to wear masks. What, what are you seeing down there specifically in your area? And I'm sure it probably varies, but, um, so back at the end of June, actually, I think it really was implemented. It, it was discussed. It was implemented at the beginning of July was mandatory mask wearing, um, anytime you're out in public in the city of Charles city limits of Charleston, or it might even be Charleston County, I think. Um, so, um, so there's not really a choice at this point. Um, but before that happened from, um, from April until that point, um, or March, I guess, rather until that point, I would say you would see about maybe 10 to 20% of the people wearing masks Mm -hmm. if, and and 20% would be a high number. Um, we, we really didn't see mask wearing going on really hardly at all and, and you know i'm like you i'm kind of burnt out on the on the news media um of it as well and and haven't really paid a whole lot of attention to it as much as i did in the beginning um i'm really just kind of living in my <laughs> area of you know yeah what we're experiencing here and and what we're experiencing here is is um you know we we have some numbers people are getting sick um and um, it's really sad and we don't want that to wish that upon anybody um but statistically the numbers are very low mm. um you know we're, we're averaging about 1500 to 1800 cases a day in south carolina and we have five million people so i think people are looking at that and they're willing to kind of take that risk a little bit more maybe um i'm not saying whether that's right or wrong that's just the fact of it and uh we um have been very lucky like i said here at the restaurant where we really haven't been impacted by it so far so i'm glad to hear that man um well one thing we were talking about prior to recording is, you know, we've seen a wide variety of, um, well, we serve customers all over the country and depending on who, you know, where somebody is when I talk to them as a restaurant owner, uh, the attitude or the, um, the way they've been able to handle it, the, the regulations that have been put in place uh, and policies, the um, general prevailing attitude in, in that particular part of the country. And then it really even oftentimes gets down to, you know, a city by city thing a lot of times. But, you know, there's certain parts of the country where I just feel like, you know, it was already bad enough to to be a restaurant owner when this started. I mean, everybody pretty much was shut down for a while everywhere. Um but you take somewhere like New York City and you just, man, you just feel horrible for folks that, you know, just, not, it's almost like the perfect storm um, yep. uh, for, for restaurant people there, particularly ones that are there in Manhattan and things like that. And what you mentioned is 
that um, you've you've seen a lot of people moving down here already, I mean, moving quickly, and you've been mm-hmm. getting applications from a lot of folks that have moved down from from New York. Um, we have, yeah, and we and we've we actually have um, quite a few people from New York that that work here already, um, and so they've had. Uh, you know, family visiting and stuff like that because there's nothing for them to do and they're not in the city. They're in, you know, unfortunately the way our states are governed, they, they, you know, they're kind of governed as a whole, but really, uh, you know, my understanding of it is that the, the bulk of the cases and, you know, the really pandemic of what's happening in New York is primarily in the city area. And we have some um, people that work for us that are, we have actually four employees that are all from Rochester and, They've had family coming down because they don't really have anything to do because a lot of their businesses are closed and they're not opening mm. back up and they work in restaurants that aren't opening back up. And, um, mm. But yet they don't have the, the case numbers like they did in New York City and there's really nothing they can do about it. So so they're coming down here visiting, but we've had a lot of people that have um, been moving here as well. I talked to two different people just yesterday that were um, putting in applications uh, looking for serving positions with us. Um, that were moving down from New York because they they just don't have jobs. You know, there's nothing, there's no jobs for them to even have up there. And uh, I don't know what the connection to Charleston is. They just, you know, spun a map and picked, put put their finger down. I don't know. Um, <laughs> uh, one of the one of the girls I spoke to yesterday had family here, so she, that was her reason. But um, I'm sure some people just maybe had visited at some point in time, so decided to move now. But yeah, so it's a it's a tricky time, and and you know I don't. I don't know if a lot of these people, this is a permanent fix for them or they're just going to come down here and live for six months while things get, you know, quote unquote, back to normal. Mm-hmm. It's a tough one. You know, um, I mean, the, the demographics already sort of just big picture, long term, people are moving to the southeast and southwest for a variety of reasons. And, and it seems like that may have accelerated um, at this point. It, I think sure. it would be a tough thing. It's a tough decision because, you know, this is almost like you kind of look at this as, I don't want to say we got lucky because it's been really bad, but given what they were, you know, the the worst case scenario projections early on of what this could be, it feels like we, we, we kind of got a little bit lucky. Um, again, big picture that doesn't, that doesn't, um, downplay all the people that have dealt with this, the folks that have lost their lives and, uh, any of that. I mean, it's, it's been very significant, but given what they initially thought could be the case and millions of lives lost and all this kind of stuff, I feel like we, you know, this almost is like a possibly a prepper or a warm up for, you know, maybe something that could be a lot worse. It's gotten yeah, people to take so. this very seriously. I'm sure a lot of people have had to rethink their lifestyle, their business model, lots of things. Um, and you got to think that a lot of po- folks that live up in some of those those cities in the northeast or those states in the northeast where, you know, like you said, if it's you're in Rochester or Syracuse or somewhere else where there's not a lot of cases or some small town in upstate New York and you're just, your, your business has been shut down. I mean, that's just, just crushing small businesses. Uh, I wouldn't be surprised if a lot of those moves are, are not permanent. Um, it, it, you know, because this, I, a year from now, five years, 10 years, you know, something like this is going to happen again. And of course, sure. hopefully we'll be a lot more ready for it, but it could be a whole lot worse. So, um, yep. well, it's, it's been interesting, and in some ways very just sad, but in a lot of ways uplifting and quite frankly inspiring, uh, Chad, to see folks like yourself and your peers across the country 
where they were able, where they were allowed to, you know, continue operating in some way and where they had the, you know, a, a good geography and, um, you know, you're not like in some highly, you know, concentrated suburban or, I mean, a um, pedestrian urban area, but where you've got the ability for people to get in their car, drive and pick up takeout and all that. I mean, y'all have just pivoted on a dime and you know, you mentioned that you had, okay, so you changed, you already had the takeout. So that's good. I mean, a lot of people didn't and they, they were able to do it fairly quickly. It may have taken a week or two to get things rolling, but they got that going. Um, but the ability to, to maneuver and change and tweak things so quickly, I got to tell you, it's been really impressive. And I'm not surprised because you and your peers, your, your ilk is already sort of a, gritty, hardworking, roll up your sleeves, creative, adapt, put out fires all the freaking time already. Um, so you, you kind of already got that, that mindset, and that mentality. This was just, you know, that accelerated, but, but the thing you mentioned that I don't want to underscore, and I think it's just fascinating is when the governor says, okay, three days from now and you get to open at 50% capacity, like that just seems like, oh, we'll just let them open it. You know, this weekend they can open and good luck to you. That's yep. like a massive uh, project to try to figure that and, out in yeah. that short of a period of time as a restaurant. <laughs> and I, the, the part for us that I think was the most, um, I laugh because I look back on it and it was like, wow, what were we doing? We decided that this is going to be a great time for us to take on some renovations. <laughs> uh, so we, so we, and because there's things you just can't do unless you're closed, like refinishing a bar top. We have these, like mm. our bar top is made of a, like a, a three inch thick Oak, you know, beautiful one slab piece of wood and um you know it's got 20 layers of polyurethane on top of it protecting it and uh after seven years of use it needed it needed a refinishing so we sanded that whole thing down and refinished that and it can't be touched for a couple days you know especially with anything wet so there were some things that we had done around the restaurant painting we had a mural done in our bar area we had you know, we're power washing the sidewalks, we're doing all these different things. And then all of a sudden, you know, the restaurant's kind of in, in shambles a little bit, the indoor space, because we're like, oh, well, there's no customers here. You know, we can have paint cans sitting out everywhere and it can be dusty and stuff like that. No big deal. And then all of a sudden they're like, well, you guys are going to open. Well, people are going to be coming in to use the bathroom, even if we're, you know, outdoor seating only. And we got to make it presentable. So it was, we were, we were really running around like crazy um, in those couple of days to get the doors open. And it's been, that's been representative of every announcement that they've made. They've given us less and less time. Um, the most recent one was um, that now the uh, South Carolina is a general, I, I believe it's South Carolina. I know in Charleston we have it is a 2 a.m. ordinance where all the bars and restaurants have to close at 2. And what that means is everything has to be out. Like you can't have customers in your restaurant. You can't have alcohol out like nothing no service whatsoever after 2 a.m the only people that can be in your building is staff and they push that forward to 11 p.m and it started the next day oh so it was like you know and and i get some of the reasoning behind that because they're trying to make these decisions and make them quick the the uh where we're not getting a lot of information is that that was done in a press conference and that's the only way you would have known about that is if you had watched that press conference there was no 
um, letters that were sent out. There was no emails that were sent out. There was no communication except for a press conference with the governor until five days later. Then there was an email that was finally sent out to the businesses that clarified what it meant. Because in the press conference, he said, sale of alcohol. Well, when I read that, I say, okay, great. Or when I hear that, I say, okay, great, that's fine. So we we have to sell, sell our last alcohol at 11 p.m. But if a customer is sitting there hanging out for 30 minutes, they're welcome to do that. Um, but that wasn't the case. <laughs> and they clarified that, but it was five days after. So, and, and I have empathy for their situation too. They're trying to make the right decisions to keep people healthy and safe. Um, but it has, it's had its challenges as a business owner to try to bob and weave through these. Um, and we've, we've done uh, a system here now uh, uh, that they've asked restaurants to to uh, to sign up for called um, Palm, Palmetto Priority. Um, and it's essentially saying that, you know, you're dedicated to trying to combat this disease through wearing of masks and through sanitation practices and, um, you know, uh, social distancing at tables and so on and so forth. And we, we signed up for that immediately. Um, and we were lucky to have most of the systems in place already that they had. So we were, it was easy for us, but I can only imagine that there's probably a lot of restaurants that have taken weeks to get moving. Cause part of it was you had to have a health inspection that was, um, done since you had been closed since, since this all started. So within the last three months, you had to have a health inspection and, um, and we did, we, so we, <laughs> you know, we got very lucky and there's, and so there's a lot of things that, uh, a lot of systems that have been really challenging. Um, and like you said, you just, you just got to bob and weave and pivot and, and kind of make it happen. And, and I think with our staff, we've constantly just reminded them of that of like, you know, a lot of, Hey guys, this isn't our decision to make necessarily, but we've just got to do it. And this is how we're going to continue to thrive and be successful is by just kind of abiding by the rules and, and we'll, we'll get through this together. And that's the only way it's going to happen, man. Well, uh, nice of you to have empathy for that. I, I have some, but <laughs> I tell you, it's, it's where you really kind of uh, start to think, you know, if you never paid much attention to, to local politics, it's probably a good time to start, you know, thinking about who, who you're putting in office <laughs> sure. and things like that. Because, I mean, you need yep. you need people that have owned a business. You, you you don't understand what this means unless you've owned and run a business. And um, yeah, it's it's I mean the the amount of challenges and burdens that have been placed on you all through this is, are just overwhelming. But once again, I mean you've you've uh, you've weathered it as well as possible. I mean, everybody I've talked to, you know, 95% of the owners I've spoken to have just been as positive as possible, as creative as possible, as thoughtful as possible, as intentional and focused on their community as possible, as um, giving as possible, like what you did with, you know, just, it's, it's just so, it's so inspiring. And, you know, I think that um, one of the things that, I've talked to some other folks about this on this podcast, and I, I hear this all the time now, and I hear this from friends and family, and um, you're you're hearing it throughout the country. Is you know, people are really starting to reassess not not you know local politics one thing, but you know that's only partially in our control. You know we have a vote or whatever, but but the decision of where you do business is one hundred percent in your control, and 
while for so long the economy's been booming, we've been hustling, no big, no big, huge, major things for a long time, and people just been go, 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 and now we just go, boom, pow, just like that, forced to stop. Uh, all of us, in some ways, you know, if you try to find the the bright side of things, uh, and again, not to not to downplay, I mean, this this was terrible, but if you go, okay, well, yes, that's true. Things happen in life, and bad things happen, and hard things happen, and terrible things happen. But you know, there's—is is there all—is there some good that can come from that? And one of those things, I think, is that a lot of people have said, you know, where do I, what businesses do I patronize? Where does my money go? Where do I spend money? Where, wh- you know, what's happening in my community, and who are the people that really make a difference in my life? And I think people are really realizing how important their local independent establishments are because that's that's money that stays in the community that's money that employs people from that community that stays there that gets spent there it's where we celebrate our you know important moments in life where the people know us because they're you know there's longevity of of um uh, you know careers at these places and the owners are there oftentimes like yourself in the place and there all the time and they know you and they care about you and they get to know your children and uh, that's an important thing. And, and, you know, right now we're in a really rough spot because we're, we're in our homes so much more. And when we're out, we're having to stay away from people and we're having to put these things, you know, we can't, we can't hug people. We can't shake hands with people and we, we need that connection. So, you know, where I'm going with this is I think is this finally passes through or settles down or we get a vaccination or whatever it is. And we get back to some, the other side of this, let's call it that, maybe not normal, but I think people are going to really, really spend a lot of time in places like yours because we want it and we need it so badly. And now that we don't have it, we realize how much we miss it. Yeah. Well, I mean, I, I, I mean, I think you hit the nail on the head. I mean, we couldn't be more grateful for our community and their support. I mean, it's been mind blowing to me. Like I, I almost every day, get like kind of look around and it's like is this really i mean when this all was first starting i i there was nights i'd lay up in bed and and just think about you know my staff and what are they going to do and how are they gonna how are we going to put food on their table for them and all this kind of stuff and my community answered that question to me you know they came out in droves i mean we went we were we really looked at the numbers when we went to take out and said okay well this is just this is what we're going to do. We're probably going to average about what we were doing previously in takeout, which is not a big, you know, we're a hamburger and French fry and like, you know, fried fish and things like that. I mean, our our food is not the best handled in a takeout capacity. (laughs) It tastes great, but it's like, you know, French fries and they sit in a to-go box and then you get home and they're kind of soggy. It's not the greatest food. And so we've never done a massive takeout business and we were shocked. Just, I think all of us absolutely shocked. And, you know, we did some neat things too, but I think what was fun for me is my, my management team challenged me in a lot of ways because they wanted to, they were really excited about, um, I mean, they weren't excited about any of this happening, but they were, they were, I think were excited to take on the challenge in a lot of ways because, um, you know, my GM was like, we got to do delivery. I mean, we got to do delivery. It's. I think it'll be. I think it'll be a game changer for us. We got to try it. And I'm going to my head. I don't know. It just seems like a. I've never done delivery in my career. I don't know what it's about. I have a uh, a friend who's a neighbor who owns a, a pizza place down the street from us who is uh, thrives in delivery. They do a fantastic job. They're a great business. He has three 
um, restaurants around town, just opened his third one. And uh, I got on the phone, called him, asked for, you know, some consulting on the delivery process. And, and we rolled it out and we made it happen and we did it for a few weeks. And it wasn't necessarily a game changer, but it was, it was that a little bit more addition. We were able to bring some more staff back and get them, you know, moving a little bit. And, and uh, it was a literally a click of a button for our online ordering where you could select delivery or you could select, um, you know, pick up. And so it was very easy for us to do and mm. it, it ended up, you know, it was, it, there was a lot of things that we look back on and kind of laugh about, um, you know, especially with trying to take on some of the, some of the renovation pieces that we did that, um, we then kind of scrambled <laughs> towards the end to get ourselves open. And, and a lot of it was, we just thought we, we kind of had some thoughts, you know, for a while there when it was just five or six of us and we're working every single day together and we're like driving each other crazy and we're like, is this ever going to end? You know, we have, <laughs> we can ever have our staff back in here and be able to hang out with our people again. And, um, but it, it does, you know, um, it, it, it's slowly but surely starting to get back to some normalcy, whatever that looks like, you know, we're still at 50% capacity inside, um, which for us was really not, a big game changer because we were able to move a lot of our tables outside and um, we have been very like going back to the, the community support has just been mind blowing to me. I don't even know how to explain it. I'm, I'm, I'm so incredibly thankful for the people that are, are around us. And, and every day I'm here, I, I see regulars coming in and, you know, and even people that don't feel comfortable even coming out yet, they're, I'm getting messages. I hope you guys are doing well. I can't wait to see you again, you know, when all this passes. And so it's been, it's been fantastic. Dude, I love that. Look, we're communal. That's what we are. We're wired to be around each other. We're, we're wired to, like, that's, and it's a, part of the reason I stopped. I just kind of just like, I can't pay any attention to any of this new stuff because they're only going to find the, bad things and the negative examples but i mean most people like you said you, you just sit down and think about just turn that off and think about what's going on around you when you got you know right. most people are good I people think I was at, that's where my head was at yeah. i was like just <laughs> look at your community look at the people around you and i think you're going to see a lot different than what's happening on the news and that was that was a big thing for me it got to the point where it was really kind of just putting me in a negative space well that's um, what it's designed to do that's what it's designed to do it's designed to create anxiety and fear because if you're anxious and fearful you'll stay tuned in and that's i mean that's just what they do that's their business model uh so but i mean most people are good people you know most people care about their community the average person does there's sure there's bad apples there's crappy people there's people that do bad things and but most people are pretty good people and they you know if you if you dial out of social media and you turn off the news which you know these you know um things that thrive on, on negative energy and you just sit down and look around you, you know, most people are good and they care about their community. And when something bad happens, they, they go, what can I do to help? How, how do I, so they go support their business in that situation like you. And then the businesses go, shit, what about my community? How do I help? Or you go, you know, what about my staff? What do I do to help them? And, uh, that's what, that's how most people handle this. And man, I got to tell you, Chad, it's, uh, it's, it, like I said, it's, it's been, really interesting uh serving the the folks that we serve and just hearing all these amazing people doing all these amazing things in their communities and for their staff and um and the how the communities have rallied around them it's been it's been really inspiring to all of us here and 
you know, we've always been so... I can only so- imagine with the depth of, of people that you get to have experiences with because I'm I'm in my little bubble here in Charleston, you know, and I've been I've been grateful to be, be surrounded by a lot of really amazing entrepreneurs who are in the same boat as me and doing the same thing, and, and I've been impressed as well, but I can only imagine as you're seeing it throughout the country. Well, it is, and look, I mean, as an entrepreneur, as a business owner, you're already... Somebody who has said, okay, I'm going to try to take um, control of my future in some way. I, I want to own the outcome. I don't want somebody telling me what to do. I don't want to have a job where I have somebody that says, you know, come show up and do these things on these days and have it do by this. You're saying, you know, I, I, this is something I want to do that's, that's mine. And, and I want to take this thing and it's my baby. And I want to raise this thing. And I want to raise it well. And I want to do it with the help of people that want to support that. Uh, and... So you've already got that mentality, um, and it's it's a wonderful mentality, and it's wonderful to see that because of the level of care and thought and passion and intention and love you've put into something, this happens, you know, you may have a minute where you're like, God, what do I, you know, like just knee-jerk, like, holy crap, this is scary, but then you just go, all right, we're just going to figure it out. Just like you'd figure something out, like when you're, you know, if you're, your kid got in an accident or something like that, you'd be like terrified for a minute and scared out of your mind. And you go, okay, well, what do we do? How do we help? You know, we need help. Let's go get help. Let's get this fixed. Let's, you know, let's solve this. And that's what y'all do. And it's just such a cool thing to, to see, you know, at the level we see it, which is, you know, 7,000 restaurants around the country. Uh, right. The stories are awesome. And every one of y'all that I've spoken to is just so Wow, man, I just love the way you Yeah, I, I would say that for us, maybe not financially, but from my, um, if you look at the business, we'll take out the finance part of it mm-hmm. because obviously we took a big hit in those couple of months that we were doing take it only. But if you look at it from a, uh, from a culture and a uh, morality and, um, you know, just an overall like feel of the business, we are probably in a better place than we were. If you want to look at the, the glass half full and the positive side of things, I think our staff is closer. Um, I think that we are um, set up to be in a better place when we come, when all this kind of starts to go away. If it ever does, I don't know. But if, it, if we come out on the other side of this, I think we, I think it, I feel this way. And I think you, if you ask anybody in our staff that they feel probably in a better place now, I mean, I've had, I think eight or nine of my employees buy new cars in the last like couple of months. And to me, um, and that's been through us being able to do things like the $900 pay when they return to work. And then we've had, we have a bonus program that we have set up here as well. And, and it, to me, that's like, I'm, I'm like mind blown. Like when I, when I, when I hear person after person buying a new car, I'm like, Oh my God, that is like the coolest thing to me ever that my staff has that ability to do that, to go out and, and, and do that for themselves and for their families. And, and so I think in a lot of ways we're going to come out of this kind of in a better place than we were um, previously and maybe appreciating things a little bit more too, you know? For sure, man. Uh, I would imagine what's been pretty consistent around the country I've got to think y'all have seen this too, is really good tips from people, particularly in the oh, first. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. You can, you can say that. You can speak that loud and clear. That's been, that's been really impressive. That was the, the, you know, the, going back to that $900 a week guarantee when we first opened back up for my, um, for my tips employees. 
I, I, you know, explain to them, Hey, listen, if you make 700 bucks, I'm going to pay the difference. I'm going to give you 200. So that's how that's going to work. And so, um, everybody said, oh, okay, yeah, that makes sense. Cause I had no idea. I'm like, are we going to bring all these people back and they're going to get like two tables and a night? I don't know. You know, I don't know what this is going to look like doing this outdoor dining. And, um, the first night it was a Monday night and we went on a wait and, uh, we realized really quick, like, okay, all right, people are wanting to come back out. So let's rearrange some of these tables and figure out how we can put some more tables out here with keeping them with that, that time the rule was eight feet apart and we're still we're still eight feet apart but that was what the rule was at the time and so we've kept it that way and and uh we i never had to pay the difference let's put it that way there was not a there's not a week (laughs) that went by where somebody made less than that and i had to make up for that so they were all very thankful did you um, that was a reflection of what the customers were tipping them (laughs) i mean ultimately we were busy but they were the tips were were extremely gracious I love that. That's such a, uh, that's such a cool thing to hear. Um, I, I, I don't know anybody that, I mean, personal family, friends or whatever that didn't, you know, just like, God, I'm going to just tip as much as I possibly can right now. Like, sure. Oh, it's a $20 bill. Here's a $20 tip. Um, well, what about, I want to ask you about the capacity of the thing. I'm curious about this because there's something happening here in North Carolina, which really is a head scratcher to me. Okay. So 50% capacity, um, what what number of people is a hundred percent capacity for you? For us, our indoor space is ninety nine. Okay. So um, for for us, we what the way we have it set up is we have um, we have fifty seats inside currently, which is like you know fifty one percent. But there's never a time when every seat is filled because you have a. Yeah you have two people sitting in a four top or you have a, you know, a six top that has five people at it and so on and so forth. So, um, we, that's where we're at. And then if we do go on a wait, we ask people to wait outside. Um, and we have a, a system where we can text message them. So they're, well, they're, they're, they can wait in their car or something like that. We don't allow any groups to try to gather. So we don't want people like gathering at the bar, getting drinks and then waiting at the bar like they normally would in the past. So we've, we've allowed them to say, Hey, you can go to the bar, you can grab a beer. And then if you'll just wait outside out front, um, you know, or, um, we have such a big outdoor space out back in the beer garden that they're allowed to wait out there. But once again, social distancing. So if it's a group of four people and they all know each other, they can, you know, kind of sit in a corner or whatever and wait for their table. But we haven't really had too much of an issue um, with that, we haven't had to, I think people are pretty aware of it by now. In the beginning, there was a little bit of kind of coaching and teaching what the process was like, but for the most part, it's pretty, pretty good now. We still get it. About once a day, somebody walks in without a mask on and like, Hey, sorry, you know, you walked by the five signs at the front door and you still have to wear a mask. <laughs> so, funny. Um, and I, I don't know if that's a, uh, you know, rebellion thing that they don't want to wear a mask or if it's a legitimately just aren't they're, they're visiting from somewhere. They're not thinking about it, or it's just not a habit that's been created yet, you know, to get out of their car and grab their mask. Cause they always go, Oh gosh, I'm sorry. And they run out of their car and grab their mask. They have it with them. <laughs> they just forget. So. Well, are you, um, so you can put 50 inside. What, what about outside then? Is there a, a limit on how many people you can have outside? There is not. No, we don't have a capacity um, for out there. And so what we've done, so previously speaking, um, we have 6,000 square foot beer beer runs, a very large space. Um, In that space is a stage, um, a uh, 35 by 35 foot, um, so 700 square foot area that has seating that's covered. 
Um, so it's shaded and everything. And then we, um, and, and then the rest is like a fire pit and like some kind of grassy area, another little patio area. Um, we, uh, essentially took the, what was out there was picnic tables and, um, instead of everything being under the covered area where it normally would be, would not be social distance. Um, those tables would be way too close. So we essentially spread all of them out um throughout the beer garden and then when we did that we were able to then move so there's essentially there's no like there's not a lot of standing area previously where the stage was there was like a lot of room for you know kids to run around or people listen to music they could stand up there and dance and stuff and that's for the most part been taken away there's a little bit of area for that now but not much and so the tables we actually were able to move the tables that we weren't using inside to meet that 50 percent capacity put them under the covered area outside and move those picnic tables because they're outdoor furniture out into the grassy area. Um, not so great in the middle of July when it's 95 degrees, you kind of want to sit in the shade and have a fan on you. But, um, you know, we just see that people during the daytime, they're, they're sitting inside or sitting underneath the shaded area. And then as the night goes on, you know, seven thirty, eight o'clock at night, people are more willing to sit in those tables that aren't covered. Why are they making people clear out by 11? I'm sorry. Why, why do they make people clear out by 11 at night? I, I still didn't hear how many people did you say? No, I mean, why? Like you said that people have to clear out by 11 o'clock at night. What What's the reasoning for that? Oh, um, I think they're trying to, what, what they saw, my understanding of what they saw is a spike in a, uh, in the age group of like 20 to 30. And they're correlating that with people who are out late night and so they're trying to get that age group to not um be around each other as much maybe not hang out late night not make bad decisions because they've been drinking and it's late um i guess <laughs> i haven't really been given a clear that there, there hasn't really been a clear answer on why mm. they, that that was why they made that decision but i think that's my understanding of why they made that decision they also aren't allowing any um, music after 9 p.m. Um, as far as um, I can't remember how they worded it, but amplified music, I think is what they said. So like a DJ or a band or anything like that can't happen after 9 p.m. Um, and I think it's because of that same concept. They're essentially trying to get the people who are in their 20s to um, not that because that's where they're seeing the spike in cases to not be out partying. Mm -hmm. <laughs> all those people they're, they're just going to go to their they're just going to go back to somebody's house and hang out and party then i mean i don't know why they think that's going to i mean it'd be better to let them stay out and at least give you all business I, I but you know whatever i mean it's just yeah it, it's a little bit strange because i will say i feel like there's a lot of if if i can be really honest about it and 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 without uh with also having empathy for other businesses and, and trying to understand why they're making these decisions and being as patient as possible it kind of feels like we're getting a lot of finger pointing at the restaurant industry um because of the uh you know essentially who we are like it's a it's a social atmosphere it's a place where people hang out and they do hug and shake hands and have fun together and you know it's in close quarters a lot of times and so you know, but it's hard when you walk into Lowe's and there's 500 people in Lowe's shopping in lines of 20 people, you know, in each line. And, you know, they're not really held to 
any standards at all and same and that's been happening the entire time there, there's never been you know the joke was when all the county parks and all the beaches and all these places closed down but yet you had walmarts and lowe's and all those places open it was kind of a little i think mind-blowing to a lot of people like is does the coronavirus not know what uh not know to go into lowe's or walmart but they know to go to the beach and they know to go to like a county park that's you know well the irony is the beach is better because you're outside and you're in the sun and you're in fresh air and you're not in some closed confined space with circulating air at walmart or whatever so sure yeah no i yeah well it it is i mean look it's it's unprecedented it's tough to make these decisions but you do sit absolutely sometimes i I try to have as much empathy as possible for the people making these decisions because i i can't even imagine the pressure that's put on those guys too so um it is just you know you have to you know kind of question it too at the same time that's part of why we have a government that we have and then we are able to vote and all that kind of stuff is that we're able to you know, question the things that they do sometimes too, and say, "Hey, I want I want better answers on this. <laughs> I want this to be done better next time." So, well, thank goodness we still can, man. I, I tell you, yeah. yeah, no, I mean, all things considered, um, you know, uh, nobody's going to get this perfect, but um, no, it, no, no, it's look. I, I, I'm going to let you roll, but I, I really appreciate you taking the time. It's always awesome to talk to you, Chad. Every time I do, yeah, it's great catching up. Feel you just you're a positive dude uh and and i'm not surprised that you're having that kind of success and that you you know you do take a, a really just a great approach to things man and you're an inspiring guy and you're a positive guy and an optimistic guy and it flows through you and it flows out to your team and um you know man i just i tip my hat and uh appreciate you as always uh your business as a customer and um Admire what you're doing, man. I wish you all continued success. Awesome. Thanks, Well, I appreciate your time. I'll all right, talk man. to you soon. All right. See you.